I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Welcome to this week's Lost for Words podcast. Joined as ever by Jason. Jason, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are you? <laughs> I didn't know if you were there. Have you gone or what you've done? Didn't you, know you no, you, you went funny. Did your, I? The general headphones, yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Well, that, I can just re-record that and just put it back in every now and then. And we're also joined by Matt Cooper, a freelance golf journalist. Matt, welcome. Hello. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, thank you for joining us, Matt. We, uh, we're going to very quickly review last week's uh, events at the Abu Dhabi Championship. Um, Jason, I'll come to you first. Obviously, uh, star-studded final day with uh, Tyrrell Hatton taking the spoils. Um, did we learn anything that we didn't know on that final day? Yeah, Tyrrell Hatton's um, capable of being world number one. Uh, Rory needs to find some steel. Tommy's Tommy. Um, and um, we, you know, we shouldn't, you know, when, when we look at these and we see the top three, um, we shouldn't automatically assume they're going to run away from the field. Um, Lucky Till did because, you know, Jason Scrivener would have come through and, and done it. But like we say, they're, they're, they're all extremely high quality players. Uh, the margins between winning and coming 12, we say this every week now, are minute. But Till Hatton was absolutely great i mean i said to you and i i, I put it in my in my 54 hole thing that i thought that um rory had got him mentally whether that putt on 17 to get one back over over mcelroy was uh, a catalyst for something else maybe but he looked tired i thought at the end and rory was bouncing um he takes he opens up a bigger lead um through a first few holes on sunday hatton doesn't go away kills him off on 10 with a, with a, you know, there could have been a, a two-shot turnaround the other way. Hatton's got him. Eagles it from whatever 30, 35 feet. Rory's got the same line. He's nowhere near. And Hatton pulls away. And he, Hatton's determination that we've seen at Bay Hill and at Wentworth, um, at, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. He's quite clearly the European number one. Um, it'd be interesting to see how he reacts from that to this week because um, obviously following Bay Hill. Um, he nearly came out and won uh, the week after. So he can do it, whether you'd back him or not. The price is, is up to you. But, you know, the man's flying and uh, good luck to him. He's, he's, he's hilariously went on that little clip, the angry or passionate golfer that we actually <laughs> talked about last week, amazingly. And I just think he's absolutely brilliant and good luck. And I hope he wins absolutely tons, even though I can't back him over the next year. I think that summarised pretty well. Matt, just on Tyrrell Hatton, because... When you look at him on the golf course, and, and this is the greatest respect, he doesn't stand out in any one department to me. So I think maybe he's putting, but in terms of driving off the tee, he's, he's good, uh, you know, straight, but not the longest. Uh, his irons, when he's on form, are great, but he's still probably, you know, there's probably two or three better players in the world, maybe four or five, even with their irons. Um, what is it that you think that, that it is for him? Is it just that hidden sort of characteristic of confidence at the moment? I think it could be that. I think it's a, it's a really interesting point that because they they referenced it a bit on commentary at one point. Something about how he's got he's got exceptionally good course management, and at that stage, I was sort of thinking something similar to what you've just alluded to there. That there's not. Yeah, I think his short game is very very good, but um, certainly tee to green, you you wouldn't sort of separate him from a, an awful lot of other players. And I I actually thought at that point when you remember that it's not that long ago that he was on the Euro Pro. And you think to yourself, there's so many golfers who are probably 
competing with him and beating him then. And they must be looking at themselves and thinking, what, what's he got that, that I haven't got? And I think you also mentioned just the, the fact that the margins are so tiny. And the, the incredible thing is the margins are so tiny from the third tier to the main tour. And, but actually being able to appreciate that and cope with it is something that somebody like Tyrrell Hatton uh, does spectacularly well. I think sometimes we get a little bit, it's a bit strange that he's gone and absolutely trounced Rory McIlroy, who's undoubtedly got a, an awful amount of talent. But I always think, I remember a few years ago, I had a day spent with young future England amateur golfers. And it was just after Jordan Spieth had won the Masters. And quite understandably, they all wanted to be the next Jordan Spieth or Rory McIlroy or Tiger Woods. Those were the guys that they aspired to be. And I can remember driving back from it and thinking, you know what, those 10 lads probably none of them are actually as good as those three golfers. So is that the right person for them to be aspiring to be? Should they actually be trying to be the next Soren Kelson or Anthony Wall, you know, or Raphael Jacquelin, people who have found that secret of spending two decades on the European tour? And I think Tyrrell Hatton's above the level of those three golfers I've just quoted. But what, he's, what he has got to a greater level than they've got is the ability to understand to make the most of himself. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree. And I think one of the things, again, just talking about, and this is, again, said with the greatest respect, is his swing is actually, you know, it almost looks like he doesn't get through the ball incredibly well. Um, you know, it, nothing about his positions are perfect. It just looks like a really well homemade goal swing. Obviously, his dad's uh, still his coach, I believe. And, and I think, you know, like you say there, it is a case of it's a realistic choice of someone to aim for I me mean, i think someone like matt wallace as well aaron rye people that you talk about the euro pro they, these guys have come from these mini tours haven't they and they've really kicked on even tommy fleetwood you know before he went on the run that he's on uh was you know in the wilderness a little bit for you know for quite some time and and these guys are probably better people to model themselves on that than than the guys that almost seem unattainable uh, yeah I, I i i think that's pretty um pretty true yes um I, I think also you've probably got to look at that. There I was sort of mentioning people like Helson and, and Ward and Jacqueline. Uh, Hatton is clearly on a different level to what to what they achieved. Um, and, and probably somebody like Cyril Hatton, I would imagine. Uh, I know you referenced this, uh, I think, last week about his uh, transformation of his petulance to, to perhaps being sli- a slightly different. I don't know. I, I still think he's petulant. I, I can kind of I can kind of. I, I, I would hate, if I'm being really honest, I'd hate to spend time with Tyrrell Hatton. I just find him really irritating. It would make me petulant, actually, and I'm like the least <laughs> petulant person you'd ever meet. But, um, but what I do recognise is that it is that probably what drives the, his behaviour is a desire to, to squeeze an immense amount out of himself. Um, I think we probably all have come to realise that that, that that sort of inner drive is one of the most important things you can have as a professional sportsman. Yeah, I think that's really summarised really well there. Jason, let's just go on to it. You, you referenced this just a minute ago about how Hatton has, you know, he does play well in bunches. Uh, he's a clear favourite this week at 7-1, ahead of Tommy Fleetwood, who we beat in the final day, and Colin Murakawa. Um, you know, our style is generally to avoid these favourites, but is there any interest in any of these three? <laughs> um, I mean, I can't have Colin Murakawa. Um, various reasons we could go into, but, but you know, I'm not having him. Tommy... Um, look, they, they, like we said last week, I mean, this is not it's the same except for Rory, isn't it? Um, I wouldn't be convinced about Murakawa's patting for a start. Um, 
Could I add something just there for a second? Yeah. 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 I I um I sort of agree this week. And I I think although he finished seventh twice in Hawaii, I think at the moment there has to be like a, a few doubts about. We all we all know that Morikawa's putting is not not his strongest point. But um, I don't think his. I think it's exaggerated when he's on Bavu de Grasse. Um, uh, so that's why he's like a sort of someone I steer clear of on Bavu de Grasse for a long time. Um, I think it sort of exaggerates his his problems on the greens. And yeah, also, I mean, go on, Jason. So, sorry, Tom. I was just going to say. I mean, if we look, I mean, Lucas Herbert, Bryson, I wouldn't necessarily trust on the green, as you know. Um, Sergio, um, you know, Alvaro Quiros. Um, the, the, you don't have to necessarily putt amazingly here. Um, you know, I certainly wouldn't put Lucas Herbert as, as you know, a putting machine. Not last he... week. <laughs> well, no, but that is that is him generally. I mean, he was the same in Scotland when he when he hit the front. Um, you know, his, his short game just absolutely fell apart. So I'm not sure you 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 have to putt that well. I just think we've raised Morikawa's level because of that PGA, and I'm not. I'm not saying, you know, knock him outside the top 20 or anything like that. I just think we've raised it just that that little bit when he's part of an excellent group, but not the elite. And if you come over to Europe, you come over to the desert and you play desert specialists, you're going to have to be somewhere near the elite, I believe, to beat them. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. And also, I think like we reference as well is that, you know, Morikawa had the putting week of his life, didn't he, at Harding Park? And, it, you know, he was the only person in that field that have played the greens like they were. He played it plenty of times, uh, you know, in his college career. And I think that really did help him, not to say that's the only reason he won, because he obviously hit a wonderful drive uh, into 16, I believe it was, to actually cap it off. But, you know, and I don't think there's any luck involved, but I think he, he peaked for the right time. And, you know, since then, I think it's really hard to separate him from the Hovlands, the Wolves and, and Sung Jims and people like that. Um Chucking Fitzpatrick into that list, Matt, was, would any of those four appeal to you from the top? Uh, I no, I'd struggle. I'd struggle with all all four of them this week. Uh, I mean, I, I respect. I think. I think if they all have a, they're all good enough players that if they have a really good week, they can win it. But in terms of wanting to put my money on them, uh, no, I'm happy to look elsewhere. Absolutely, Jason. I know you're obviously a fan of Christian Bezwiedenhout. Um He played better than I expected last week. Actually, I thought that the the scoring may have been too, I suppose it, it was in a sense because he didn't quite get close enough to the lead, but I didn't really expect him to even play as well as he did. Um, he's obviously got previous form here. Uh, is, there, is there anything interesting there for you? It's not, he's, I'm a massive fan of Bez, but I, I think the harder it is, as I think we discussed, the harder it is, the better he'll be. Yeah. Um, it gives him that advantage over other players, as we, as we certainly saw in South Africa. And obviously he won Valderrama as well. So, so the harder the tournament is, I don't think it's going to be. I mean, I know the wind's supposed to blow a bit, but it's it's reasonably forgiving here. Um, off the tee is a massive stat here, isn't it? Um, and I, I just don't see where his advantage lies. He played brilliant last year, and, and in effect, I think he should have won. Um, he got done on the par five, obviously the playoff foul, and he got done by a massive hitter. Um, I, 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 I look for me. I hope he plays really well. Um, I think the 12th last week slightly, I think it slightly flatters him, to be honest with you. I think others were making mistakes around him. Um, so in terms of winning and, and, you know, what's he at the moment? Now, 22 he is. Um, he's getting shorter and shorter every week, isn't he? 
I think um, that, that's all factored in on those two wins before you know before the break, weren't they? And and the, you know the, again with the greatest respect, they're you know South African wins and and that's what you know they're the type of courses that suit him. This time last year, uh, it was a nine under winning score as opposed to the twenty under pars we're used to, mm. and that speaks to your point, doesn't it? That if we're expecting it to be more like the 2019-2018 renewals, then this shouldn't again suit him, and, and he probably yeah. has quite a short price. Yeah, I, I had a, I had a, a funny uh, premonition with uh, Christian at <laughs> not not last year's Wentworth, but the Wentworth before, and I was watching it midway through the last round, and I just suddenly went, "He's going to win the U.S. Open," and I've never, I've, I've it just <laughs> the whole I could just see him on the final green of the U.S. Open. Uh, just playing a shot into the middle of the green and safely making par, and it's the most vivid thing I've ever seen. So if that happens, and it's <laughs> it's it's quite handy when you th- like 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 we're being said, um, he's very good in tough conditions. You can't remember what course it was, can you, Matt? I can't, I can't identify <laughs> that. No, I wish I could say Tory Pines, but no, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I think I think you you spot on there, really. You know, as much as you know, we make a joke about it. It's the sort of event that will suit him, um, and and hopefully he kicks on to do those sort of things. But I think these low scoring affairs may just get away from him. The first person of this group, and, and I can't quite pull the trigger on him, that really caught my eye was Sergio Garcia at twenty five to one. Um, it's obviously a former winner of this event, um, and and won Qatar as well, which is, is you know correlating course if you like and. I think that's more to do with the fact that he's just one of the best players in the field most times that he tees it up here. And he's been playing some good golf, hasn't he, Matt? And, and I just wondered whether just maybe coming out, you know, he's not quite the top player in the field this week because of the likes of Hatton playing so well, Morikawa obviously getting attention. It may just help him coming under the radar a little bit. Yeah, maybe. If, I mean, if I'm being really honest, it's a bit like uh, Bezaden. I mean, I, I'm another big Bezaden Hope fan and was quite... Would have been quite keen, but he, uh, I, I sort of guessed he'd be this price, and it's a bit low for me. Uh, I think uh, the current Sergio price is a bit. Low. I mean, I think if if I'd seen Sergio at like forties or fifties, I'd have been like, oh yes, I really want him. Whereas yeah. now I'm sort of like, yeah, okay, yeah, maybe. Yeah, and maybe, that, was, yeah, that was the kind not. of track I was going with. Is that you know this was a PJ Tour. If he was over at Torrey Pines this week, he'd be 50, 66 to one or whatever. And that's kind of more appealing. And I'm guessing you're down the same lines, Jason. I think I think you've covered it. I think there are a few here that um, you you can say. I wish they were at I wish they were at Tory Pines. <laughs> um, I think the days of backing Sergio at this sort of price in this sort of field is, is gone for me, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, that's 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 pretty much it, really. Yeah. I think you know we spoke briefly off air. Uh, Jason and and two people we mentioned were Matt Wallace and Robert McIntyre, two people that I haven't actually opted for this week. But you've got to respect their chances the way they've been playing over the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean um, McIntyre was quite eye catching. He was eye catching here last year. Um, he was pretty eye catching again um, last week as well um, over the weekend. I think he he made a bit of a leap forward. His finishing position wasn't quite as uh, quite quite where he was. I think halfway halfway through the final round at the top of my head. Um, yeah, opened up with a 74 here last year. Um, as you know, I think McIntyre will win the Open in 2020. Is it 22 or 23? I can't remember. He'll win one of them. <laughs> um, so again, whilst whilst I know he won the Cyprus event, sort of low scoring um, the showdown, um, and played well the week before. I, I, I've. Do you know what? He, he's he's one of them I'm never going to get right. You talk about petulant. 
I think he's caught Hatton's petulancy, if that's such a word. Um, I'm sure the proper journalist will let me know. Um, but look at him off the tee. I mean, if we, you know, you look at last year's off the tee figures. Um, you know, you had um, uh, Lucas Herbert 11th. Um, our news, obviously, we're going to talk about. Um, he was first. Burmese up there. Tom Lewis was up there on, on all that. And Rob McIntyre was 13th. So if he's off the tee, he's got figures recently. Um, first, second, 13th and first off the tee. If he gets his irons right, he is going to have an absolute host of chances here. Um, and I'm actually quite tempted at 30 um, over somebody like Andy Sullivan, who I thought was uh, <laughs> when he's out of it, he just is out of it. And, I, you know, he just gives up. Whereas McIntyre, I don't think does. And I'd rather have a trier um, than somebody who wants to be put in front and, and, and sort of given that advantage. So out of all that lot at that price, Casey was quite interesting. I, I might have looked at him at the farmers in um, Wallace. Wallace is going to hit it one day, isn't he? he, he but he, he's another one. He goes up and down, up and down, up and down. You never know what you're going to get for him. And ultimately, it's up. It's we, we say it every single time it's about price. You know, Matt said if Sergio was 40 or 50, he'd look at him. He won't at 25. I won't look at Wallace at that price. I won't look at Sullivan at that price here. He was 40 last week and he was absolute crap. Um, but McIntyre at 30 is really, really interesting. I think this course is one he could take apart and, and he may well go in the staking plan. I think, you know, just before I take that over to Matt, just to speak about those couple of people we mentioned there, the, my view on McIntyre, and I'm probably one of the people that's you know harsh on these young guys and, and want to see more. I asked him to prove it last year and, and he won his first event. The only thing I had with it, and I referenced this on the, on the show last week, uh, on Pat Murray's show, was that... The showdown format suited him so well. Like oh. he, he even said it. I listened to a podcast that he did, and he said that he kind of, he got where he needed to be each round, and then he sort of cruised his way in. So he left some in the tank because he knew that if he could just get to Sunday and just have a, you know a right go at it, that'd be perfect. And I think that that perfectly did suit him well. Now, one of the things that I you know take on board here is that you know his off the tee game is fantastic. He's got plenty of room. So he can, you know, get it out there as he will do. Uh, like you say, he finished tied eighth here last year. Was eye catching. We know he should be a, a, you know, pretty handy links player. Tied sixth for the Open Championship in 2019. Uh, expect that once we see a bit more sample size, he'll have plenty of other top finishes uh, in those links events. It, it just to me feels like. I mean, I'm I'm going to go ahead of the grain and pick Andy Sullivan, and, and I'll give my reasons in a minute. I'll just wait to Matt, but. I just, I just thought that there's still something to prove for me, and I don't know what your thoughts are on there, Matt, about Robert McIntyre. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm a big, I'm a big uh, McIntyre fan, and um, I, I, would, I was, I was sort of a bit. He's right on the edge for me at that price. I, um, I'm not totally decided on who I'm going for this week. Uh, he's probably not going. He was, he was on the sort of long list, but he's probably not made it to the short list. Uh, and Sullivan, Sullivan was the same. I was hoping for a slightly bigger price for Sullivan, and that because I was quite keen on him as well. And then um, I was, I, I was sort of thinking I might get get lucky and get fifties, and um, was a bit put off when he, he sort of went down a bit lower. Yeah, well, my thought. The other thing that you sort of didn't really mention there was McIntyre as well. Is that he's kind of seen as this really good putter, when he, and he gets on a roll, and he's quite streaky with it, but. But he can get really short on his stroke, and he does leave some plenty short, and he looks quite frustrated quite quickly, and that puts me off Jason in that regard. But other than that, I mean, this is really picking holes on a player that's immensely talented, still, you know, sharpening his eye, and he's got you know plenty ahead of him, and he has got that win. So it's not like 
he's going to have the next couple of years of people saying when's he going to get his first win no matter what level it was he's got it there's no need to reference it and I think that'll work well I'm going to go on to Sullivan um, 12th, 4th, 2nd and 6th here um, so he's got a good bank of course form uh, Portugal Masters is a massive uh, you know, correlating course here um, he's got a 1st and 2nd there he should have won that event in Dubai you reference he likes to be out in front and, and he really should have done. He, yeah, he'd completely absolutely. torn that apart, hadn't he? Uh, lit Rosner in on the final day and that was really disappointing. But I was glad that he came back with that 10th place finish at Tour Championships a week after. And just looking, you know, following on from that win that he had earlier in the year, you know, a ninth, a third and a second since that, you know, win suggests that, it's, you know, the form's going to stick around. And when you look back through his career, you know, that three-win season in 2015, um, you know, he, he generally does play well in bunches, and I think he can sustain it for quite a long time. Um, fourth in the field here over the last 15 weeks in tee to green. Uh, one of those people ahead of him is Tyrrell Hatton, who obviously we've spoken plenty about. Uh, the other one is David Lipsky, who's only played one event, and Jane Schaefer, who's played three events in South Africa. So, uh, you know, tee to green, he's, he's absolutely got it, and he's now returning to a course that he enjoys. A place that he enjoys in terms of correlating courses with uh, Portugal. He's played well uh, in the Middle East in general. I thought actually the 35 to 1 with you know seven or eight places was actually quite generous. But obviously I take Matt's point on about the sort of 50s for his range. And, and I know what you were saying that you and I do agree that if he doesn't get the fast start that he needs, is there is a danger that he will check out, and I can see why that would put people off. Gonna gonna rapid fire through the next next few here and just see your thoughts on any of them. So Shane Lowry, Justin Rose, Victor Perez, Bert Viverger, and Thomas Peters. Matt, any any thoughts on any of those? Well, I'm I've got a couple of those that I'm thinking about. One is Perez because I'm just I'm I'm a big Perez fan, um, and he he played very well here last year. Um, he did okay last week as well. I thought. Uh, uh, he generally played quite well in the desert. I, I did wonder about whether Justin Rose at 40s, you know, we were talking about sort of Sergio earlier and saying if Sergio had been like 50s, a little bit of me is thinking, is Justin Rose at 40s getting to the point where you're thinking, hang on a second, he's just too good to be that price. But it, the tricky thing, when, when, when something like that happens and a player is out of form and their price starts inflating it's the tricky bit when do you when do you go and snap them but the last time he was here he he actually played very well didn't he yeah and also the thing is i think that the thing with justin rose is it appears that he's playing so badly because of his own high standards right he's, you know he's the victim of his own success he yeah he is playing you know not nowhere near his best but he's he's certainly not gone at the game in, in terms of dropping dramatically down the world rankings and like you say he's played here once in the last However, God knows, he might have even played it once full stop. And he's finished second. Um, T to green, he was pretty good last week. He was 29th in the field. was absolutely fine. He wasn't passing great. Gave a few shots away. I know, Jason, you're not the biggest Justin Rose fan, but he's certainly getting to a price where it is tempting, I'd have thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I couldn't back him. The way, the way he is playing, certainly visually at the moment, um, I think I was on actually against Rory. As it did twenty, is it how many years ago? Is it two thousand nine, whatever that is? Hmm. Um, it's a long time ago, isn't it? Twelve years. Yeah. So for me, you know, if somebody's got his latest form around here twelve years ago, then you know, I've no interest whatsoever in in that form line. Um, I, I just think 
they're coming up. Players are coming up. Players are improving. Um, Rose is one of the hardest workers. You know, we've discussed this again a thousand times before. Whereas he used to play the final round as if. And and when they showed a couple of shots over the weekend, you know, he was trying. He was trying to hold every putt, even though he was languishing outside. You know, anything worthy of actually winning for him, for a man of his uh, ability and career. Um, I, I just can't. I mean, you know, he went to Abu Dhabi. Um, he could have shown something, and he's he's not. He's I, I, I just I, I don't see it. I, I'm, you know, you talk about Victor Perez. Um, this course, I think, yeah, I think he'll he'll really relish this year. Um, I mean, sometimes previous form around here doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, many of the people that have come placed around here have got zero form in the first year. So whether that's whether that's whether sort of being in form is better than having uh, course form around here. Um, you're right, Perez played a lot better last week, but it was still he was up there on the on the you know top first page or, or halfway down the second and he's end up finishing nearly 50th after that final round and he's not one i can trust uh, rose i, I think he's, he's just going to be overtaken by unless we have a real again unless we have a really difficult tournament where his guile and his experience will come into it i just don't see him putting enough it's it's giving himself enough chances i, I don't can't have it sorry victor Frey's got within two of the lead uh, I think during the third round, and and I was obviously on pre-event and was quite excited about the way he was playing. Looked like he was going to, you know, at least threaten the leaders. I think he was still maybe four or five behind at that. But you know, that he was two behind. But you know, I think they had chances to go four or five ahead coming up because of the par fives. And um, but you know, like Matt referenced here, he was really good last year. He, he shot an opening round seventy-three, which kind of put him on the back foot straight away uh, in forty-fifth place. But then he shot sixty-six to uh, finish second round in seventh place, and was second going into the final round. And that's seventy-nine. I mean, it was obviously a, a reasonably tough day anyway. There was a quite a few players that struggled. Ashwin Wu shot seventy-seven to come out of first place. Bryson DeChambeau shot a seventy-six. Tommy Fleetwood seventy-five. Eddie Pepple, 76. So loads windy, of people, wasn't it? Yeah, and a lot of yeah. people were going backwards, and that takes some getting used to, especially, doesn't it, those sort of conditions, Matt, um, where that can obviously throw plenty of people off their game, and that's where Lucas Herbert and Christian Bezuin help step forward. And, and I wouldn't put too much stock. You'd, you'd like to look at the body of work throughout the whole week as opposed to that one final round, and I suppose that's where your line of thinking was, Matt. Yeah, I, I, I wonder whether I've got a, a slightly different... Um way in which I listen to uh, chase and chat um, I, I think I probably go with I, I sort of look for what someone produces when they're at their best rather than their consistency does that make sense mm-hmm. so for instance when we're talking about Andy Sullivan the fact that he doesn't uh, the fact that when he's he, he's not fancying it he, he doesn't play very well at all that kind of doesn't really bother me because I mean, it doesn't really matter if he finishes 10th or 146th, really. If he hasn't, if he finishes outside the places, what what really matters to me is that when he does uh, play very well, what what can somebody achieve at that point? And almost, I sort of, I like to like, I would prefer it if last week Perez had finished in the top seven because I'd have got a return. But I also sort of think. If someone's just got up and had a week where they're actually sniffing the lead, that that's that's kind of like I I sometimes think this is a bit of a this is a bit of a 
off-kilter type thing. I don't think that the end-of-week leaderboard at a golf tournament is a very good way of remembering how the tournament actually mm. took place. So that, that, that this, I mean, clearly you've got to have a winner, so 72 holes and the scores is what matters. But, you know, when you look at a leaderboard, it, it's too easy to forget the fact that someone's going to go away from that thinking, oh, I was leading after 36 holes. I, 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 I like the fact that somebody has at some point in that week contemplated that they could win the tournament. And that's what I want to sort of have a tick from that leaderboard, not the fact that they finished 7th or 13th. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, completely. I think that I think for me, this was a you know it was the first European Tour event of the new year, so it was really nice to actually sit and watch them. Often Fridays at the moment, so I got to watch all of the coverage on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And when you really do pay attention to it, and like you said, I mean, I picked up that he was two off the lead in the third round, and that's something that would be really easy to forget, wouldn't it, if you just looked at the tied forty six, which is obviously what you're talking about there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's if you actually look at just a scorecard, but he chucked in back-to-back doubles or, or I think it was two by doubles in three holes whatever it was um, and that will punish you very very quickly and throw you the wrong way but I suppose what it probably would have been was the fact that he was getting very aggressive to go for the win because he had a chance mm. and and like you say Matt you, it's very interesting the point you make is and I, I think that we all generally do get to it even if we sort of cover it with a disappointment sometimes is that Victor Perez at his best is capable of winning golf tournaments one of very prestigious European Tour event at the Alfred Dunhill, come close to winning at Wentworth, uh, done it again at Abu Dhabi last year. You know he's been right up there in WGC. So his body of work, in general, is very very good. He was up there in second place all the way throughout the, uh, the three rounds here last year. So actually, he's forty to one when he was actually twenty eight to one last week with Roy McIlroy now out of the field. It actually seems like quite a good price. Uh, sorry, I was going to I was going to say exactly that. To be honest with you, I think the old maxim, sort of these desert tournaments, and especially these two, is if you fancied them last week and they played badly, doesn't mean anything. No. If, if you can get a better price this week, um, then you should be on. Um, I think that's lasted quite a few years now, I believe. Um, you know, so so yeah, there are a few here that were fancied last week, and some of them have shortened, and and not necessarily for the right reasons, you know, some obviously course form or whatever has shortened them up completely, but you are right. Yeah. Perez is, as I was going to sort of think to myself, well, if I wonder if sort of Tom's going to put him up, he fancied him last week at 30. Was it 30? I think it was last week. Yeah. 28. Um, yeah. But why not? When he's got more room over here, um, you, you, you might, you surely have to go in again at 10 points bigger. So I, I can definitely see that. Well, that's the beauty of these conversations and having you know, a third third mind on is that you do end up second-guessing your own pick. So he may be someone that goes in in the stake and plan at the end of the week. But one of the players, and I'll come on to him, like, there was another player like that that I thought you know, was potentially going to go well last week. Didn't, it didn't suit him. When you look at the course fit this week, it's going to be a lot better. And I'll go on to him you know, when we get to the 100-1s. But the first, uh, the second player I want to come on to for me was Adrianos. Um <laughs> at 45 to 1 with eight places now uh jason we've we've spoken about him a few times obviously on the on the podcast because he's a name that gets banded about an awful lot he's very popular um and he's also the one that we find quite frustrating but um i thought the price was actually pretty tempting this week i know like last week you mentioned you know during the weekend you mentioned that he's someone's keeping an eye on and, and he came back didn't he after a terrible final uh, first round 74 and fought himself back into the golf tournament. Um, and I sort of said, oh, no, it'd be too short next week because of the course. And I actually thought 45-1 to 1 
was a pretty appealing price when you consider the fact that he was uh, third place here last year, 29th on debut, and he's also got a 14th place finish in the Qatar Masters as well, Jason. I think he was the most obvious bet that, like, of you know, of this week. I, I just it was so blatantly obvious that the one you should be looking at last week for this was I know. I, I thought, and I still think it'll be it'll be all over Twitter. I think it'll be the Twitter curse this week. It apparently, is not, which I, I just am stunned at. I mean, everything about his play here last week, uh, last year, um, seventh in birdies. You know, he's eleventh in bogeys, which is amazing given the amount he sometimes gives away. Second on the par fives, he's going to be, you know, can be crucial. For, depends on year to year, I suppose. It depends on which way the wind's blowing, etc. He was first off the tee, which is, you know. It's big, eighth in driving distance. You know, what do you want? It goes on and on and on. He was even top 20 in scrambling, unbelievably. Um, tenth in the DP Worlds. I think he was uh, in fourth place after after three rounds. He's really frustrating. And, and I think every golf article you read at some point has popped our nails up. But he looks absolutely obvious. And, and it, it's funny. I was sort of sent Ben a message over the weekend um, saying, I bet you put bet you put our nails up and it obviously hasn't because it hasn't gone all blue um and and we would funny enough and he actually said i believe he got the price right i believe he said he'd be 45 to 1 um and it'll be gone by lunchtime but nobody's put him up and it's very very tempting um he's an extremely annoying player to watch um but my word i i think his qualification for this especially given the sort of lucas herbert type of scenario whether we end up going back to the sort of quality of, of Sergio and, and we'll go back further, Tiger, Ernie Els, et cetera, winning this. But if, if there is a changing shift and it is the Lucas Herbert that can come through, then, yeah, he fits, doesn't he? I, I, I can't see a negative apart from the obvious, which is he just throws in double bogeys from nowhere. I think, I think again, this, this will go back to sort of uh, Matt's comment just a minute ago was, what do you see him as, you know, his, his ceiling, if you like? Where do you think he can perform? Do you think that, you know, look at previous winners here. Alviro Quiros, uh, Stephen Gallagher's won here twice. How Tong Lee beat Rory McIlroy here. Mm. Is he the type of player that's got the potential to be as good as them? Mm. Um, I, I, and he has, I think. I think if you if you look at the way Rosner won his maiden, um, I, I think that's what Arnous is going to have to do. But I think it, we'll, uh, we'll get on to Rosner in a bit anyway. I think both of them are absolute top players of the future in the European Tour. I think it's really promising, Matt, for me personally, that he shot that 74 last week when he would have fancied his chances. A lot of people talking him up. He would have thought, you know, felt in good form. Um, he, he has a disappointing opening round, but then goes and finishes first tee to green on Friday. I think he gained seven strokes nearly that day after throwing just as many away the day, uh, the day before. And then fifth on the Saturday as well. Climbed up. Wasn't as good on the final day, but just to show that kind of mental fortitude after a really disappointing day at a young age suggests he's got something going for him. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I tell you who he reminds me of, and it's it's not somebody that I think would be an immediate uh, comparison, but it, it it's in the fact that you look at him and you think he should excel in one, on one particular style of course, but it actually seems that he excels somewhere else. And that's uh, Ricardo Gonzalez. Do you remember him? Yeah. He in Argentina, yeah. and everyone thought every time he came to an, an open, yeah. an open course, everyone uh, used to go, "Oh, he's just going to smash the ball and be mm. great." And actually, he wasn't very good. And so, uh, he he won at Cran. He won at uh, 
Club de Campo in Madrid. He won at Barca back, and everyone was like, "Hang on, what's Ricardo Gonzalez doing doing well at those courses for?" And it's weird because Adrianas has finished top five at Club de Campo. He almost won in Kenya. Uh, uh, I mean, it, he's he's played very well in other places, but uh, finished second in Valderrama. And it's kind of weird. Mm. He's the what you think he should be doing. He's actually so far not done. Um, I always used to think with Gonzalez that a lot, of the, a lot of the problem was that when he saw a wide open course, he had a mad thrash at it and ended up flying left, right, and, and actually we, we hit the ball so wildly it, it, it was no use. And actually, it was better when he, he almost had a driver taken out of his hands. Yeah. Um, Go on, Matt. Sorry. Well, I just, I just, I mean, I don't know whether it will the the. The the ceiling you were talking about ceiling. I think the ceiling with Ricardo Gonzalez was a lot lower than than Adri's got. So as time goes on, it might well be that um, what what appears to be like a current trend will probably will cease to be. I, I always tend to think that the uh, although well, in terms of betting, I always like golfers where you can sort of identify where they can play well. But actually, the the more difficult it is to identify where a player can play well, it's like a kind of an indication that they're actually a very, very good golfer. Does that, it's almost yeah, like no, a contradiction, does that make yeah, yeah, it does, because it means that they're, what you expect them to be is a one-trick pony, when actually they've just got so yeah. much given ability that they can just go to different places and surprise you. And to speak to your point, uh, second at Valderrama, when no one really expects that to be someone that would particularly suit his game. Um, and it's interesting you mentioned the European Masters at Kranz, because Jason, you were talking about that's me earlier the weekend, weren't you? About there's a lot of there seems to be people on the same uh, leaderboards there as here, um, which is weird because it's not the kind of mm. similar setup at all. But again, he's finished sixth there, and that kind of speaks to what Matt was just saying about Gonzalez that that maybe these guys are longer hitters that have to use their you know take less than driver to, to keep it in the fairway when they hone their game in when they've got a talent just as that it does maybe focus them in and maybe hit better approach shots and and get the ball rolling on the greens. Yeah, he's as green as grass, isn't he? Um, really, still, to be honest. Ah, I think it's a great point made by Matt. Yeah, and and uh, very hard to argue, you know. Um, look who he beat in the uh, Challenge Tour final back in 2018. Victor Perez was second. Longasque was fourth. McIntyre was sixth. Um, yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, I think he's an unfinished, unfinished talent. Um, the problem is, he's so popular that his price gets held up all the time. I just thought this was such a good fit that that look he's sur- he's surrounded by he's surrounded by Perez, Wiesberger, Peters, Cabrera, Bayo, Kaimers, you know, doing whatever he's doing. Um, he's got that potential, isn't he? Probably like Perez to just lift himself up um, into the higher echelons. He, he needs to do it, but but when he does, it'll be a huge monkey off his back. I would have thought. Um, and yeah, I, I can. I'm quite happy at 45. I'm going to stick him in. Yeah, and I'll, we're talking about players that you know we expected to play well last week, and then you know didn't opt for. Jason, I was quite surprised uh, that you didn't go for Lee Westwood again this week, given his decent course form here, and he's you know fifty to one in places. Um, I don't think anything's gone away. I think it was just a you know an average week for him last week. Um, you know, I, I can overlook Kymer after missing a cut on his favourite course, but I thought Lee Westwood was one of the tempting ones for you. Uh, I know he was defending and and and, and all that. Um... He didn't do a lot. I think he got to. I mean, he was. He, he got to three under. I think he got to five at one point. But he got to three under, 
And from then moment to the moment on after the break, um, it was all delayed. And quite frankly, he was um, not very good. Um, yeah, look, Westwood is Westwood. It's it's a matter of you can't back them all, can you? No. Um, no, no. And you know you have to look at when when you are still talking about up to forty five to one. Um, yeah, he's he's look, he's he's a tempter, but it, I just didn't see anything last week. Do you know what I mean? And and at, at the age he is, I want to see something rather than rather than just coming from absolutely i know there have been you know the old guys have i say the old guys they're still younger than me i think um, um they have come from nowhere but it was just i thought a really disappointing effort um didn't find many greens uh, and he's gonna you know he's gonna have to improve that iron play considerably just within a matter of days and i'm not saying he's not got the desire but he's he's you know winning the rolex championship last year was such a huge achievement. Um, nobody expected it. Um, I, I just wonder whether it might take time for him to to get back. I just I did, didn't see anything last week. That's the problem, Tom. I thought for 54 holes he was pretty average. No, oh, I can absolutely understand that. Um, this, unless you've got any here, Matt, between uh, Westwood and uh, the 66 to one shots, uh, we'll go on to Jason's next pick. If if there's anyone else you want to mention, uh, no, go for it. Jason, I know you're you're looking for the man that's just bagged his biggest win, uh, biggest prize money ever at seven hundred thousand. Yeah, it isn't me that, by the way. No, uh, shows the same name though. It's the same name. Yeah, I thought Scriven. I, I know, I, I understand that that there's a danger sometimes of watching these last round uh, efforts come through. You know, you've got Tommy. Once Tommy can't win it, you know he's 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 chasing the game and it's done. Rory again, to be honest with you, once you hit 14, 15, Hatton's 3, 4 in front, you're going to be trying far too hard and, and mistakes happen. So I, I perfectly understand that you can sometimes overrate a finish. Um, but interesting, Scrivener has actually got some fantastic Sunday rounds all, all the way through. I'm really gutted. I should have put him up on Saturday night in the two ball. Um, you know, he's got 66, 64, 65, 68, you know, again, through the weird season that was last year and, and coming into this um what what was impressive is he's got those two efforts here the seventh and sixth back in 2019 2018 when he was well known obviously uh, in foreign lands not necessarily over here um if you want a weird connection he was born in south africa and raised in australia which gives him a connection to the both playoff protagonists from last year doesn't it really um <laughs> you know um he led the putting average in the Irish Open. His strokes game putting is good. Uh, I mean, you could just go through it. He's got some. He's just got some stats that look like. It, he's just. He, he shouldn't have taken five years. Uh, it should be five years since his last win. Um, Abu Dhabi, obviously, um, he didn't have any form until last week, so that's a much better effort. So hopefully that spurs him onto this. Um, but I mean, I've got it all written down here. You don't want to hear the whole lot of it, really. Um, you know, 2018, he was six. That came off a tied 48th in Abu Dhabi. So, again, I'm hoping that a better effort last week spurs him on to a better effort here. He's he's really good at avoiding bogeys. Uh, he's uh, driving, he's putting. Or you can take certain rounds where he just improves every single tournament, improves every week. Um if if Hatung Lee can hold off Rory, uh, then yeah, Scrivener, who's in much better form than 
than, than people sort of give him rating for, really. I mean, if we need his class, he was third in the Ned Bank in 2019, an absolutely fantastic field. Third in Hong Kong behind um, Aaron Rye, Fitzpatrick and Perez. Um, and in the DP 2019, I think he hit 65 on the first round um, for finishing tie 10th. Um, he improves every every time through his tournament. If he gets off to a good start, I'm actually really excited to see what he can do when he's really in the mix. Uh, I haven't seen anything particularly negative about him. Um, and I just thought his, his game last week, if, if I'd have played like that, I'd be coming off of that absolutely flying. And, and I'm really interested to see what he does this week. I thought 60, 61 was very, very fair. I didn't know more than 50. Um, and yeah, that's I, I'm, I'm very, very, very keen on him this week. Yeah, well, just to add to that, I mean, obviously, second last week, big payday, surged up the field, and sometimes, like you say, we fall in this trap where someone puts a streak together, flies up the leaderboard when they're out of contention, no pressure on them, right? But he was sixth at the Cyprus Open, um, eighth at the Portugal Masters, which we've already said links to here, eighth in Wales, 14th uh, in the English Championship Celtic Classic as well. So it's been a pretty sustained uh, period of form for him, hasn't it? Um and also, the 6th and 7th here, he's done it in two different ways, really. When he was 6th in 2018, he come right from uh, the start. He was in the top 10 and stayed there the whole way along. Um, uh, sorry, the other way around. So, in 2018, uh, he found his way into 6th from a really deep position. Then, in 2019, uh, went 10th, 5th, 9th and 7th throughout the round. So, he's come from off the pace and stayed from the top as well. So... I think he's a really impressive player. It just is one of those ones where do you think he can sustain it? And he's only got to sustain it for one more week, right? You're not asking him to do it for the rest of the season. You're betting him to do it this week, and that's all you've really got to, to focus on there. So I think he's an interesting bet. Matt, have you got any others in this range before we get to sort of like the, the 100 to 1 and Antoine Rosner? I know Jason wants to mention as well. Uh, the the one I'm sort of thinking about is uh, Romain Langasque. Yeah. Um, broke through last year at um, Celtic Manor. Um, thought he got off to a nice start with a 67 last week, um, and then sort of just stalled a little bit. So I don't. I'm not totally against. I'm, I, I quite like it when I quite like a player who's ex, who's, who's who sort of peaks a bit and then and then drifts down because I think it's very good for expectation. I think too high expectations. It's a bit. I think we do this as punters. Sometimes when when everything looks great, you're like, oh, he's got a great chance, and then he's. It's almost. Like, I think the players probably think that as well. And it's. Uh, we even know it when you play golf yourself. You're gonna have one good round. The next <laughs> time you go out, you think, oh, I'm gonna play great today, and it's it's, it's the worst mindset to be in. <laughs> and I really don't think it's a particularly good mindset. I mean, there are there are times, and there are also golf. I remember a friend of mine, for instance, once played golf, a, a couple of holes with Ian Poulter. And Poulter said to him, what do you do if you birdie the first hole? And this friend is exactly like me. And he said, I just think it's all going to go downhill from now on. And he said Poulter just stared at him for 10 seconds, completely unable to understand what this bloke had, <laughs> had, had thought. He just thought he was a complete idiot. And he was like, going, but what do you mean? And, and it's like, and, and, and I think there are a lot of golfers who, who actually kind of need just sort of settling a little bit, which, which, is, not, which is not to say that I don't appreciate the argument made about... Uh, Jason Scrivener, and I think he's yeah, he's also been on my long list as well. But um, the other good thing with uh, Langask is he, he's got off to some quite good starts uh, here in his, his his two starts at Emirates. So, I mean, he was second on his debut and third on his second appearance after one round. And, uh, and in actual fact, 
uh, of his eight rounds here, uh, five of them have been very, very good rounds of golf. Uh, so I think he's got quite a good chance and he, I think he's a decent price. Yeah, absolutely. I think I was, I was really impressed with him last week because, like you say, he's kind of come and gone, hasn't he? He, he got that breakthrough win at the Wales Open, struggled for a little bit, but had that 34th place finish at the US Open, which I think steadied him. Um, and he's just been almost plodding along, if you like, to finish that year. Didn't play in the in Dubai events at the end of the year, come out and had a reasonably good start at, at the Abu Dhabi, played some great stuff, and but not too much to the fact that he's going to put his old weight of expectation on himself to, to really kick on. So I like that pick completely. Jason, I know you want to talk about Antoine Rosner. I will do, but just Longas very quickly. I actually backed Longas to beat Bryson as top amateur in the 2016 Masters. So I know exactly where you're coming from class-wise. I think he's a brilliant player. Um, yeah, I'd have no complaints Yeah, if he won, to be honest. With you. But yeah, Antoine Rosner. Um, look, you know, we, we depressingly put... Um, Put these players in similar thing, similar sort of um, groups, um, which is probably the wrong thing to do. But hey ho, that's what we do. Um, I've got Rosner alongside our nose, to be honest with you. Um, he was absolutely brilliant when he won the golf in Dubai. Was he let in by Sullivan? Yeah, because um, Sully should have been two or three clear of that score anyway. Um, but you can't knock it. Some of his um, approaches to the par fives are absolutely awesome. Um, he's going to get that advantage here again this week. Um, we we know that off the tees he's absolutely fantastic um strokes gained approach generally um is, is perfectly good enough to win a tournament like this he hasn't played here neither Sergio neither Bryce neither Willett is he in their class I'll let you know in five years time <laughs> um it, it does seem that having a run does help here which is the only only real negative um like I said you, you know I now as you said went 29 to third Bez 69 to second um you know you could look at anybody Tommy Fleetwood went 50 missed cut six um it does help to have a run here for whatever reason i, I do think though there is another win in rosner and it's a matter of a price um and 80 to one looked fair to me. i'm not saying he, he's one if you would use matt's sort of um, vernacular he's on the short list whether he actually gets backed or not i'm not sure so i'm not sure i could put up with Arnos and rosner running for me to be honest um <laughs> so uh yeah he might you know you've got sammy next to him who would I rather be on? Probably Sammy. So, um, but equally, I, I just thought Ros was extremely interesting on a course like this. And it may be that we view him to a mid-30s finish this week, but showing something, and uh, we can all be on next year. Absolutely. I've got four people here that I want to quickly wrap through. David Lipsky was really, really performed excellently well last week. It was 160 to 1, apart from when he hit a tree from five yards out, whatever he was doing then. Um, very impressive. He's had two good finishes here of a sixth and 11th. You look on uh, tourtips.com where we use our stuff. And, you know, he grew into the event a couple of years ago when he finished uh, sixth there. So I think there's plenty of stuff to like about him. Whether the, the price is quite up with him and the 60s and 55s and things that are obviously not too appealing. But there's a trio at hundreds one as well that you, you talk about the people not giving up on them too quick. Laurie Cantor, I think, will prefer this course as opposed to, to last week's. I think that having the wide open uh, fairways will really support him. Same logic applies to Wilco Nineaber. I think those two guys will really appreciate the course setup. Both have played well in Portugal with Cantor, obviously famously coming second there. Um, and, and I think this will, will suit their games to the ground. The one that I am going to go for at 100-1, which I don't know. He tested positive for COVID last week, so he missed the event. I don't know if he's actually, whether it was a false positive, whether he's been ill with it or what. I haven't found too much information about him. And that will 
uh, hold up my, you know, how positive I am about him. But 101, I thought Thor von Jonathan was showing plenty now to suggest that he's kind of on his way back after a long period of time away from his best golf. Um, this course is, is great for him. He's played some, some really good stuff here and basically across the Middle East. But he was tied third in 2013, tied fifth in 2014, eighth and seventh since then as well. He's had a second and a third in Qatar when he could have won both times. He was tied 13th uh, in the Dubai event before Christmas, four rounds under par, including a 64 on Friday. And, and there was a final round in Cyprus that really cost him after getting you know getting up there and only four back after three rounds. So there's plenty to like about Odison if there isn't anything... Uh, any negatives towards that positive test last week? Jason, I know you had some thoughts on him as well. Not a lot goes right for Ollison over the last year. <laughs> we, we we won't go into uh, why he hadn't played golf for a year. Um, and maybe he's lucky to be on the tour at the moment. We don't know, but um, that's all we'll say. Um, but yeah, I absolutely agree. He's he's the absolute Lynx diamond. Um, he's got form in the desert. I, I agree with you. I thought it was pretty eye-catching the way he's... The way he's actually managed to, to get anything out of his game at the moment, I think, is tremendous. Um, but I, I'm with you. I, I think he's hugely interesting. Um, I've got another one, 100. Um, not there's anything wrong with backing two of them, um, which I just prefer. Um, but yeah, I, I can't know. It'd be really interesting to see what he does. It's, uh, I don't know what he's going to do in the second half of the season as we come into December. But, um, yeah, I, I'm very interested. I... I I think he's so interesting that he, he could absolutely do anything and he could very well challenge. Um, I I'd, I'd just got that concern about what would happen if he was in contention and, and what sort of press he'd get. So, um, yeah, I slightly prefer somebody else, but, yeah, of interest. Yeah, Matt, as a, as a you know golf journalist yourself, just talking, we don't obviously won't go into details of why he's gone off. We don't know enough about the, the situation other than the, the obvious. But he had that extended period of time off the tour. Um, and it was, you know, a year between events. And, and you could see that he'd struggled when he first come back. But do you agree that he's sort of shown signs now where he's getting back to form? And, and maybe the, the thing that's, that was obviously bothering him is going back towards his head as he looks to get back on tour and play some good golf? Uh, yes, in actual fact, I've I've already backed him on uh, Betfair uh, <laughs> out uh, because I, th- I thought that price was 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 too big. And I tell you what, the clincher was for me. It's not just the fact that his his form seems to be slotting in quite nicely, uh, and also his his record here is good enough. I, I also noticed one little thing when when you're sort of thinking Lucas Herbert won it last year. Uh, How Tong Lee is a recent winner here. Uh, and then uh, Alvaro Quiroz obviously absolutely adores playing Emirates. Uh, that made me think of uh, Vajura that used to host the Sicilian Open, and uh, of course Torbu and Olsen won there. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sort of similarity because I don't think there is like a massive similarity in the sense that that's like a, a sort of fake links resort course but the breeze uh, i think the breeziness is actually um uh, something that uh, i'll tell you who plays who played for jury well as well was uh jason scrivener who's another emirate specialist mm. so people who've played the, the very least we can say is that people who played well at the have played well um at emirates but then at the other point of that is is that we already know that torpion Olsen plays quite well here my my worry about him actually winning it is i can see that with the reasons that he was out for a while 
and now awaiting the conclusion of that, he's come back for a while, is that if he actually gets onto a leaderboard and has to sleep on a, on a Saturday night, uh, all those issues are going to raise their heads again. Mm. And that that's kind of, that what that would bother me a little bit. Yeah, well, as I said, Jason sort of alluded to that point, didn't you, that that would be the concern. But there's three of us now on a Thorbin Olsen, so I'm assuming he's going to miss the cut or pull out with, a, <laughs> with another positive test. So we'll, we'll quickly move on to the other 100 to 1 guy you had there, Jason. Ah, uh, the, the mighty Burmy. Yeah, yeah, nobody knows what Burmy's going to do, do they? <laughs> no, least. he doesn't know what he's going to do either. Yeah, but you talk about, there we are. If you want to talk about a man with passion, there is a man who just shows you everything he's thinking on the course. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't go smashing up clubs and stuff like that. I mean, he just collapses on the floor, doesn't he, um, <laughs> when he sticks a putt. I mean, he's a diamond putter. He's a diamond driver, but it's sometimes the bits in between that are the problem. But he was third here last year. Yes, you know, he did have a chance to win. Um, but that is, you know, that's Burmy for you, really. Um, look, you, you, you could, I, I think he certainly should have won um, an awful lot more than he has. Perhaps his enthusiasm and, and his attacking style just just sometimes gets away from him. But I thought um, 100 to one for a, a man that won't lack off off the tee here. Um, as I say, he's obviously got that third here last year. Plays really well in Dubai anyway. He's got a tied fourth twice in the DP Worlds, so he could play top class competition. Um, I just felt 100 to one was was 20 points too big. And he, but the thing is, he's always catching my eye. He's gone 22-48-3 here. We've already discussed that you can improve every year. What's Dean going to do? I have no idea. But I, 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 you know, you know, every week we say whether whether to play on Betfair or not, and I think he'll be. I haven't got Betfair up at the moment, but I would think you're easily going to get 150 on on Burmester, and I'd be very happy to take that because he has the immense talent to win something like this. He certainly has the talent to, to contend. Um, so you can take your 25 to one for your first seven or whatever it is. Um, and he loves the desert. So, um, yeah, Burmese, another one. I mean, I don't know how many times I've backed this bloke in the last couple of years, but yeah, I'm definitely putting him in. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, right. Well, my next pick is at 250 to one. It's my final pick. So I don't know if you guys have got any more. Jason, I'll come to you first. Uh, I'm outside your 250 to one for my final pick. Matt, anyone is between what? here? Uh, I've only got one other, and that is I can't make this. This is this runs contrary to what where we've been sort of saying. Somebody who who might have a there might be a reason why they play well at Emirates. I can't come up with a good reason why they play good well at Emirates. But the fact that in his last seven starts he's got a first, second, and a third <laughs> uh, makes me interested in the fact that Aaron Rye is now um, uh, available at a big price on Betfair. I think I think he's suddenly become available at like 150 plus too quick, so I've had to kill it and nibble at that. Yeah, he's a, you know you're a massive fan of his Jason, aren't you? I can hear the sigh yourself that that you haven't come to him, but it's it is hard with Rye to to narrow down, like you say, where where he's going to be his best. You know, he hits greens with fun and he putts well, but it, it doesn't nothing immediately jumps off for me that about him. But again, he's got that sort of gritty determination that showed when he beat player, uh, Tony Fleetwood in a playoff in Scotland not so long ago, Matt, that, you know, this is a guy that you probably expect to win another couple of times on tour in the near future. Yeah, I, I think it, I think the only... Well, no, I'm not going to... If I was 
to come up with the reason why he'd play well at Emirates, I'd be forcing it. So I'm not. I'm probably not going to do that. Ultimately, I'm just thinking to myself, when he play, he's got the capacity to play well, and uh, when he's played well, he's beaten some very good golfers. Um, I, I tell you what, I was really impressed about with him when he won was it. He uh, the week before when he didn't win at Galgorm Castle, uh, he sort of became becalmed. Um, the week later, when he got interviewed by Tim Barter, I thought he made quite a good point. I think we're a bit guilty when we watch golf, and we think that when anybody gets into con- contention, it's the it's a similar experience, and it's not. Every time someone gets into contention, it's a completely different experience. And Aaron Roy actually said that. Because I think Tim Bart said to me, like, you were in contention last week. Is that a help? And he went, no, because it's a different situation. And I just <laughs> thought, oh, brilliant. He's got, he's, got, he's got a really good brain. And uh, so long as it doesn't get in his way, because I think sometimes having a good brain can get in your way in golf. Yeah, uh, so thought. Yeah. Uh, but as it, as it, uh, so far from what we've seen, a lot of times he uses his brain to his advantage. Uh, so hopefully he does so this week. Jason, anything to add on Aaron Rye before we move on? No, I mean, for me, I think he's going to be left behind off the tee um, to win this. But, yeah, I, I, I'm a massive fan of Aaron Wright, even though he let me down for the hat-trick of uh, Challenge Tour. Really um, <laughs> buggered off to the European Tour, otherwise he'd be gagged up. But, yeah, Imagine he advancing was, his own career. Yeah. Yeah, he was brilliant. He was brilliant when he won. I mean, he was great in the Irish. He just You could just see it slightly. Um, he, he seemed to learn a lot from that. And in the Scottish, he was that great. He's very, very calm on the course. Um well, as Matt says, he works everything out. Um, he knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, my worry would be that, that this is this is too long for him. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. Absolutely. My final pick is Nacho Elvira at 250 to 1. Uh, showed signs last week of playing some better golf. Um, not the most consistent type, but I think he's just someone to keep an eye out on places that, you know, you know he can play well. Um you know, it was disappointing in the third round. Obviously, shot a 75 after a pair of opening 68s. But when you just look at his profile here, he's 11th in 2017, where he's fourth after round one, second after round two, uh, and then shot a pair of 72s over the weekend to sort of fall behind. Uh, and he was also 16th. And when you just look sort of more into it, it's, it's kind of he's played. He's got two top tens in Portugal, which obviously stands out. He's got two top six finishes in Qatar. Um, to me, he's just—it's just a perfect place for him to play golf. I don't, you know, you see quite a lot of Spanish players play well in this part of the world, and I don't know if that's just oh, kind yeah. of a link or. And I just there was there was enough with the Portugal and the Qatar links on top of the couple of decent course attempts uh, or standout course events. He's obviously played pretty well here consistently. Two hundred and fifty to one with eight places, I thought was massive. I don't know what you thought about it, Jason. Yeah, I think you've covered it very well. I, I, I yeah, I think you're right. I mean, two fifty, you, you're you're probably going to get three fifty on Betfair. Um, you know, play that how you want. So, yeah, you, you, you put your case across. So, yeah, I can't argue. You're going to go and uh, trump me now with an even bigger price. So, I'll let you go on with that. Um, I'm going to take the chance. Um, again, I return to one of my old uh, Challenge Tour favourites. I'm going to take the chance, and Matt will know him. I'll take the chance on Christopher Broberg kicking on again from oh, last yeah. week. Yeah. Now, we're taking a big risk here. He's been injured for a long time. I can't find anything, apart from a wrist injury, I can't find anything that says why he's had so many gaps in his in his his career but uh, this this player can play i mean are, are we sort of looking at old old championship wins are we looking at, at what he did when he was 
five years younger. Um, maybe it was just something there last week. I mean, Broberg, when he won the BMW Masters, or you don't know this, Matt, or maybe, oh, you do actually, because I sent you the link, was my biggest in running bet ever, 150 to one, when he won the, um, the, the, the BMW Masters beating Patrick Reed. Um, yeah. He is awesome. I mean, when he's right, second in the Scottish Open behind Justin Rose, second in the Alfred Dunhill, you know, he's got form in, in very, very high class. And he hasn't been seen for ages. Um, and if you see Espen Kofstad, can you let him know? I haven't seen him for ages either. <laughs> um, but Broberg showed something last week. When I saw him on the leaderboard, I thought, oh, it's just going to be one of those where, you know, he's, he's prominent for the first round or so and then fades away because he hasn't just been anywhere for, for what, 100 years now, it seems. But there was something there. I know you picked up on his approach play um, last week, Tom. But he yeah. was fourth off the tee, which is key here. Sixth tee to green. Which I appreciate what you're saying. Fifth around the green. His actual iron play and his putting wasn't wasn't fantastic. But at 400 or whatever he's going to be on the exchange, 600, I, you know, I, I'm well prepared to take the chance that uh, I want to be on now because if he is on a run, I'm going to end up having to take 150, then 100, then 80. Um, so I'm going to try and be with him at an absolutely ludicrous price. Certainly not expecting him to win, but I think there's so, there was something there last week. Um, so, you know, he's an old favourite of mine, so why not? Yeah, I mean, what I, you know, what I said to you, sorry, Matt, just before you jump in there, the, 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 the thing that I, I said to you that points out was his approach play wasn't good enough and that he made a lot of his strokes off around the green, which, you know, when you say a lot of it was off the team, a lot of it was around the green, that might not be a bad, you know, success, mm. you know, for you know, recipe for success here. Um, he's 500 to one on Betfair, and Nacho Vera is 400 to one. So make of that what you will. Uh, Matt, you want to jump in there? Uh, yeah, I, two things. The first, with Nacho Vera, I think it's often forgotten that he's 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 lost two playoffs on the European Tour. Mm. So he's quite he's quite an unlucky uh, quite an unlucky fellow. But, uh, yeah. but what I was going to say about Broberg. Um, what continues to fascinate me about him was back in the day when. Alex Noren was doing his yes. blog, and before Broberg had, had like played on the Challenge Tour, he used to he used to put these strange videos up of this this sort of oddball character in his indoor range. He'd be hitting these like amazing shots, and you'd think, who the hell is this guy? Who is he? What, what a peculiar bloke! And then he just suddenly showed up in the middle of 2012 and won three events in four starts. It's like is that that strange behatted guy who? smacks balls in a what appeared to be like a gym in, in Sweden. Like it's one of the strangest stories I think you can possibly come up with the, the entire business of Christopher Broberg. Uh, I, 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 I noticed when he was on the leaderboard last week as well and had a little smile. It hadn't occurred to me to, to back him this week, so I'm quite, I'm quite, I'm quite intrigued by that. Well, I mean, he, he, sorry, Tom. I mean, I, I'm, if I'm right in saying Norrin actually said that he, he was a better player at the same age. Than he was, which I think was what his fascination was. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't remember that. All I, all I just remember is these peculiar. He, 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 it was a peculiar location where he was, where he was showing these peculiar videos, and 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 just thinking, who is this guy? How have we never heard of him? Uh, yeah, very, very, very intriguing. I think he has. I think he might have. Um, I'm never. I'm never very good on the phraseology of this. A D. ADHD or ADD or something. I don't know. I'm not. Yeah. But he used to go out with Camilla Lennart on the LET for a long time. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what the business of his um, of his 
uh, various uh, form problems have been over the last few years. Well, the good, the good thing is, is that recently the thing that piqued my interest after seeing him playing so well, I went over to his Instagram and between, uh, you know, this is a ridiculous thing to add up, but he, he was off there for the whole of in, the entirety of 2020. Mm. He then put a post up on the 1st of January to say, you know, Happy New Year, put all this hell behind me and I'm looking forward to aiming forward. He's got his wonderful girlfriend or wife or, you know, whatever she is now supporting him. Then he put up uh, a video um, sort of saying a thank you to Montgomery Golf Club for letting him practice there. And he was putting weird stories up of him hitting balls inside a gym. So he may be back to, to what he was then. Um, and if Brilliant. that's a sign, then, you know, we're moving on. Um, we're very quickly going to have to wrap up the Farmers Insurance Open because we've uh, we've delved into that tournament quite big. Um, John Rahm and Roy McIlroy are the favourites at 7-8-1. and eight to one. Um, Jason, I know we're, you know, neither of us are going to go that way, I don't think. But um, John Rahm makes obvious claims. Yeah, yeah, perfectly, perfectly obvious. Um, didn't play last week, did he? Um, what was the reason he didn't play last week? I didn't look into it. He went, he so he pulled out for a bad back, but when I looked on his Instagram again, is my source of information at the moment, he was at the Atletico Madrid Copa del Rey match, which I ah. suspect probably meant he wasn't allowed to fly back and he cited back issues as a way to get out of it. That's just me reading between the lines. No, OK, that's fair enough. I mean, yeah, he, make, he makes obvious claims. You've got huge course links here. Uh, Memorial, um, uh, the Genesis, or whatever you want to call it these days, um, a Riviera. There's a few there. Um, AT and T, the Arnold Palmer, all proper courses. Um, we all know 7,700 plus yards. You need to be a big hitter to get around the south course. Um, you need to be a proper player. Um, I don't know whether you take the sort of uh, Ben line. I don't know if he's put that up this week. Um, where obviously the further you hit it, it means you can hit. Um, sort of you can flop the wedges onto the green. Um, so that gives you the advantage whether you're in the rough or not. Um, I mean, you've got you know, you've got Jason Day, Mark Leishman, John Rahm, Justin Rose, Bubba Watson, Dustin Johnson. It tells you everything you need to know. You've got to be high class. Rahm is high class, but he looked really frustrated, I thought, um, at the Tournament of Champions, uh, especially with the putter. Um, but I suppose it'll affect him, to be honest. He is a champion. Um, he's got a weird attitude, isn't he? But, you know, hey-ho. Not you can do about that. He's got fantastic form around here. His game fits. Can't argue with it. But are we going to back back him at seven to one? No. Rory would definitely not back him at, at eight. No, I'll never take you on at single digits. My first pick is at forty-five to one, Matt. So if there's anyone in between that that area, if you wanted to pick up on. Uh, yeah, the, the, my first one was I had like you. I had doubts about the top, and then b- below them, there's there's too many people who for various reasons are not interested in. Uh, but actually, I quite surprised when I saw that I could get Mark Leishman for forties. I was like, "Yeah, I'll take that. Thank you very much." Because yeah. um, I I really liked the way he played that final round in the Sony Open. I thought it was like sort of uh, he he was just sort of nicely aggressive, and uh, he he said a few things like, "Oh yeah, I'm nicely primed for Tory Pines now, and I'm really happy with the way I'm playing." Um, it's not it's not really like me to back somebody to defend something but i i think with him the fact that he was in such great nick last year when he won here and then he did well at bay hill and he must have thought to himself oh, i'm gonna have a great crack at the masters and then the whole thing went pear-shaped he was absolutely dross when he came back after lockdown uh, and then he just found something again for the masters and um i, I think actually now he, he, he i got the impression he's got the bit between his teeth a little bit 
Well, I'm glad you mentioned Leishman because I was listening to Earn Your Edge podcast uh, and he was on there and he was basically saying that he found something at the Zozo. Um, his, he had his coach out there, fly out there. It's a very simple change for his irons. You know, he's not someone that gets too involved in coaching normally at the event. And although he didn't play, uh, didn't finish well there at all, he, he said he found something in his ball striking and was really confident going into the Masters. Finished tied 13th there, which fits. And then, like you say, I was really impressed with the Sony Open. I was actually on him there and was hoping for a little bit better, obviously. But, he, you know, he did nothing wrong. It was just Kevin Nile played excellently over the weekend with a 61. Um, his form here is for everybody to see, isn't it? He's got a first and eighth, two seconds and ninth. So he's in he's in great shape. The only reason I didn't go for him is I went for his fellow Aussie and Jason Day. Um, and, and that's purely just because he's got the two course wins, uh, second, fifth and ninth. And then he's had a 7th and a 12th either side of the Masters as well. And I just think that he he's desperate to get back in that winner's circle. Um, he wants to, you know, I think he can probably feel a little bit left behind. And this is the sort of place that he can do that. Jason, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Um, look, you, you've been with, um, you've kept the faith with Leishman, I think, the last two tournaments, haven't you? Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, look, you, if you talk about sort of former relevant courses, he's got everything, hasn't he? You know, you, you just can't argue. He's got the Safeway. Obviously, the Farmers, loads of form there. Travellers at the Arnold Palmer. Um, and he looks to be coming right back to form. And if, if you've read that he's he's up for this and he thinks he's back, he's very hard He's very hard to leave out at, at the price at 40s if he can get it. Um, yeah, I mean, how, how do you feel about the sort of general 33? Do you think that's that's just as fair? Bear in mind that some people may not be able to get with, on with the people at 40s. Um. I, I think then it would depend upon whether you're backing him to win or try to get the play. Because you, you can, you can at Betfair you can get more than four is. So um, if if you're going for the win, then that would be a good thing. Uh, just just chatting about the course and and, and stuff. And about, uh, I mean, this this is one of the few courses where I just like go. I, I want to be finding course form anybody I'm I'm backing. Um, but the one thing that we all know that it's like coastal on the cliffs, and it's got you know, uh, power on the greens and everything's a bit tricky. The, the one little thing that I think always matters a little bit is, is the visuals about what the holes look like. They're all quite straight. And, and, and where I think talking as a, as a personal golfer, I don't like straight golf holes because I, I prefer to see like slight dog legs because I can visualize a, a shot when I'm trying to play down a dog leg. And I think some, I suspect at the top level there are also golfers who like straight holes and don't like straight holes. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I keep asking because everything I say makes sense. No, I think I think that Bubba Watson fits that bill, and that's someone who's mm. played really well here, isn't he? He's got a win two fourths a seventh, and, and I know he, he's someone that looks like he'd be contending in the U.S. Open. He would fit what you're saying there perfectly. He hates hitting a straightforward hole, and that might be why it suits him here. So I think that's you know a great thing to, to put in there. Um, Jason, my next pick is at 80 to 1, and I've got 150 to 1 shot, so I'll uh, let you lead with any of your next picks. Um, I'm finding this really, really difficult because I'm trying to find something that's a bit of value, but I agree. I mean, you know, you're looking at course form. Um, you haven't really got a choice, have you? Uh, you have to look at a lot of the top. I, you know, who knows what Bubba's going to do? I, you know, I agree with you. I thought well, your old mate Ryan Palmer, again, massive. Yeah, he was one form. of them. Yeah. Yeah, but like you say, if you can get, if you can get course winners such as Leishman, Scott, and Day, if you actually can yeah. actually back in, I mean, I, as you know, will never back Scott or Day. Um, at forties, then, then I find it hard to, 
to, to be backing Ryan Palmer at 50-55. Um, there's a few there. I mean, I, I thought Jason Kochberg was quite interesting. Um, but on reflection, I don't think he's good enough. Um, he, I, I think he's got the game suit here. I know he's only got mid-20s, sort of mid late-20 finishes here. Um, so he was quite interesting. And we spoke earlier on, just before, just before the pod, um, obviously somebody's put him up. Um, Gary Woodland. Yeah. Um, obviously major winner. Um, not the right major, not the major I was on for him, anti-post anyway. Um, showed a lot more last week. Uh, win 16th at the Amex or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, again, you know, he's, he's a massive hitter. He knows how to win. He's got, you know, top 10s, top 15s here all over the place. We'll ignore last year because he wasn't in the best of form. Um, I don't know what he was earlier on because unfortunately I was too busy to see, but I'm guessing round 80 was he, something like that? Yeah, he went out he's the one he's opened up at. Yeah, I, I think 72 really, really interesting. I have him in the same sort of bracket as, as a Mark Leishman. I know Leishman's in, in much better form now, but a similar sort. When he's in form, he's 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 there all the time. Um, he is top class. Um, I, I thought he was quite interesting at that sort of price that we're talking about at the moment. Yeah, Matt, have you got anyone in this sort of range as well? Um Interesting that you mentioned Ryan Palmer. I, I, I wouldn't back Ryan Palmer at 55s, but his bet fair price looks like it's going to be quite tasty, which is understandable. Uh, but uh, I, I will probably back him at, uh, for that. I, I, again, I almost quite like the fact that he's, he's very much a Neely man at the moment, isn't he? He's Neely won. He's, he's got himself into contention each of the last three times he's played here. Mm. And, and then he's... Uh, played nicely at uh, tournament champions, didn't he? He also played well at the Sony Open after a bit of a sluggish start. So uh, yeah, although I wouldn't be uh, yeah the forties and forty fives and fifties net yeah, but the outright price on Betfair. Yeah, so my next pick was Cameron Champ. Um, he was tied 16th on his debut at this golf course, which I think was highly impressive. You know, we we talk about this being a place where um, you need a bit of course form to to kind of play well. Um, he was in third place going into the final round uh, last uh, in 2020. He dropped down 13 places due to a 74 on the final day. Um, you know, he likes this likes this area of the world. Uh, 18th, 22nd and 5th in his last three starts. He's made the cutting strokes going approach, so he's hitting his irons well. I think he fits the mould of a winner here in terms of obviously hitting it a mile and you know he can make his hay out of the rough. And, and I just think that he's a hard person to get right. He's never really you know that consistent, but he's got a very high ceiling. And when you can start getting prices about him like this, at a course where he's shown a little bit in the past and the area, area of the world that he likes, I thought he was a really interesting 18 to 1. 80 to 1, sorry. 18 was a bit of a bit short. <laughs> Jason, any thoughts? Uh, no. No. Matt, any thoughts on Cameron Champ? <laughs> <laughs> Afraid not, no. <laughs> right. Sorry. Uh, my, up, <laughs> <laughs> my, my final selection, um, and, and I'll come to yours again in a minute, is, is Doug Gim at 150 to 1 with seven places. Um, he's been 13th, 3rd, and 15th in strokes going approach in his last three starts. Uh, he was fourth here in 2018 after three rounds and a really poor final day, which is not surprising given his age and his status in the world. And, and he's been really consistent uh, this season, obviously cut by a tied fifth finish last week. Um, and he's just, he's just to say, T's green is excellent. He mentioned um, that he is a bit shorter off the tee, so he you know, favoured himself. His accuracy 
off you know places where Tory plans would be a premium on it. Um, I think it's kind of a bit of a lie to himself because, like we say, the, you know, the longer hitters tend to prosper because everyone miss fairways. But if it puts him in a buoyant mood, and he's only got good memories of when he last played here, um, on top of the fact that he played well last week, I thought 151 was interesting. Any yep. thoughts? Um, I've got another one bigger than him that I, I prefer. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of the some of these some of these ones at the sort of three figures are ones that we need to look at, see how they play. It's another one where I think golf punters always looking for the next week or the week after or the week after, and I think there's going to be quite a few of these away for. I think this will go to one of the stars, to be honest. Um, it's a bit obvious, but I think it will do. Um, so somebody low fifties or lower, to be honest. Um, but I think there will be eye catchers and somebody like Gim and, and there's a few down there, um, are well worth are well worth watching. Um, I thought that Cameron Davis played um, really well over the weekend here. Um, Obviously, he won the Australian Open, beating um, uh, Smith Day and uh, Herbert, I believe, uh, in the Australian Open when he won it. He played really well. I'm really interested to see what he does. I know he hasn't got the greatest of records here, um, but he's another one. The list of players that I think are well worth watching for for tournaments to come. Uh, You know, my one, I don't think is going to going to win but uh, they're just of interest at their prices you know Matt keeps pointing out the Betfair price and I agree I mean I think ultimately on Sunday night one of the big guys will win but there is money to be made lower down Um, yeah you know you pay your money you take your choice give us your your one then you think might not win but will be a big price on Betfair Patrick Rogers (laughs) I have no idea whether he's going to play well miss the cut do anything um but I, I, there's something about Roger. I've, I've never backed him before, but every so often he pops up and you think to yourself, do you know what, this, this bloke can play. And you, yeah, you look back, he was an absolute superstar at Stanford. You know, um, brilliant college player. Has he done what he should have done? No, he, he really hasn't. Um, but he has got a fourth and a ninth here separated by missed cuts, which, you know, you just don't have a clue what he's going to do. Um, obviously, he's a big hitter. Um you know he's he's very decent on getting on getting on the greens, which is going to give you obviously this this big chance here. He's got a third of the travellers. Um, he's got eighth and eighteenth at Memorial, seventh at the AP, and eighth at the AT and T. So, so the greens aren't going to bother him. Um, where the conditions throw at him shouldn't bother him. I think he's got the game to contend um, at the top. It's a matter of price, isn't it? And uh, yeah, two hundred one actually does tempt me in. Um, whether right, whether outright, or whether on Betfair, either way, but he would be my uh, rag of the week for this tournament. Yeah, I mean, just uh, another sort of couple of mentions here that, again, I think a lot of them you're probably playing for place money. I thought Charles Howe's got a splendid record here. He's playing some consistent golf, but I think that is a very much each way play. Lanto Griffin, similar thoughts, um, sort of suits the bill. Has played well in recent weeks. Uh, Matt, any others you sort of wanted to mention? Well, I'm gonna. Uh, the... I've decided that um, uh, one of my favourite golfers, so I'm probably a little bit, it's, I'm <laughs> a little bit persuaded by. It, it frustrates me sometimes when things like that happen because you, you, you probably end up thinking more of them than than you should do. Uh, but um, given his record here, uh, I've not been able to uh, look. I would rather turn down the the opportunity to back Brant Snedeker at quite a big price. Yeah, uh, I know he's in absolutely rotten form, 
He's only had two top 20s since he was third here last year, and they weren't even particularly impressive top 20s. Um, and I think he's missed his last three or four cuts. But um, it's just a bloke who's won here twice, finished second twice and finished third twice, uh, and also finished ninth here in the US Open. He clearly loves the place. Um, you only have to hear what he talk, the way he talks about putting on power. I mean, whereas everybody else talks about it like going to the dentist, he, he, he <laughs> talks about it like a kid going to a soft play centre. It's like it's a completely different kettle of fish. So, so if he's in a if he's in a bad spot, there's no better place for him to to go and put a smile on his face. I think. No, John, I echo everything there because I Brent Seneca was one of my favourite players and. I used to back him off a bridge. Someone actually made that comment to me on Twitter once. If he dived off a bridge, would I follow him? Probably would have done back then. Um, you know, he was a serial winner. He was winning at short prices. Um, and given three or four years ago, you'd have backed him at a fifth of this price. So um, it's just one thing that I mentioned in our Jason last year that it, it feels to me like he has, there's generally something gone wrong. It's not even a case of he's limited and people are just caught up. I think there is something missing from his game. But like Matt alludes to there, if, you know, if he's going to bring it back, it wasn't that long ago. It finished seventeenth at the Sanderson Farms, but you know, for a poor final round, it could have been better. So, certainly, if he's going to come back to one of his favourite spots on tour, if not his favourite, uh, alongside probably Pebble Beach, which is a similar sort of you know coastal track, um, there could be something in the price there. Yeah, putting legend when he's right, isn't he? Um, and great to watch. You know, doesn't waste any time. Um, yeah, top bloke. Top bloke. Be nice to see him. Yeah, be nice to see, to see him do something. So. I'm, I'm, I don't see it because I'd want to see more form, but absolutely, you know, I, I have no problem watching him do well. No. Absolutely, well, look, that was a very streamlined version of the uh, the Farmers Insurance Open because we uh, unfortunately run out of time. Uh, got very much into the Dubai Desert Classic, which is absolutely fine. I'm going to summarise my picks first of all. So in Dubai, I've gone for Andy Sullivan, uh, very much tempted into Victor Perez after Matt sort of talked his way back into it. Adrian House at 45 to one, Thorbjorn Olsson at 100 to one. Unless I find anything to suggest that he's actually uh, feeling unwell through COVID, and Nacho Oviedo at 250 to one. Matt, your picks there at uh, in Dubai. Uh, yeah, Victor Perez, uh, Romain Langasque, and uh, Aaron Rye. Yeah, absolutely brilliant, Jason. Uh, unfortunately, I've got quite a few. Um, I'm definitely, obviously, scriven them. I, I was on, I was on when when uh, they came out. Anyway, really liking this week. Uh, Burmester, I'm going to take a chance with Broberg. I'm taking a chance with, um, and then I'll pick uh, one or two out of uh, Ollison, uh, McIntyre, and Arnels. Yeah. Wonderful. And then my picks for the Farmers Insurance Open are Jason Day at 45 to 1. Uh, I think I might have been talked into Leishman as well at 40 to 1 after you know Matt reminded me to make that comment about the, the podcast I listened to. Cameron Champ at 80 to 1 and Doug Gim at 150 to 1. Matt, I'll come to you there as well. Yeah, so I uh, Leishman, uh, Palmer, but on the Betfair bigger price, not the, the outright price, which is a bit low. And uh, then a little um, poke at uh, the, the, the large price of Branson Edgar. Absolutely. And Jason, to summarise the final picks of the week. Yeah, I think you've talked me into Leishman. I think you make a very, <laughs> well, I think you make a very good case. And, and I think on the overall form, if he, if he says he's coming back, he's top grade. Um, Gary Woodland, I'll take a chance with. And uh, Patrick Rogers, I'm going to take a chance with. And Cameron Davis is 
in that I don't know at the moment. I think with Cameron Davis is one of those ones where um, his price is obviously coming after a really impressive week, hasn't it? Um, And and he looks, and the thing is, he looks superb in contention, which is what gives you the confidence. One person I did forget to mention who I had a note here was Corey Connors. Uh, It was slightly shorter than what he wanted to be, but he was 29th here on debut. Perfect uh, profile for this sort of course. Just wonder if he may be a little bit short off the tee and, and definitely short in the betting so he was the one that i left off um but that'll summarize our uh, our podcast this week matt thank you for joining us and uh, bringing on the uh, the third voice and, and bringing a sort of uh, sensibility to it i suppose <laughs> no problem i really enjoyed it yeah thank you very much jason thank you as ever and, yeah i'm um... just going to say one thing tom i know i know you've got to go right because you're very busy with pat mayo's paying you more than we do <laughs> right but Right, just very, very quickly, uh, me and Matt were talking about the Challenge Tour. I know Matt does loads of the sort of um, minor tours, you, you know, PJ Euro, Euro Tour, et cetera, et cetera. Last night's um, LPGA, if you haven't seen it, the Diamond Results Tournament of Champions, absolutely outstanding. Jessica Calder, 11 under on uh, Saturday night. I know it was an easy course. Um, was it five under yesterday, I think? Um, takes Daniel Kang to um, play off um, and drains a Tyrrell Hatton length putt to win it it was absolutely brilliant the lpga is absolutely awesome and uh, more people should pay attention absolutely completely agree and matt will definitely echo those sentiments as he's uh, obviously a big fan of uh, women's golf um thank you very much guys and uh, we'll catch up with you all next week